I'm gonna tell a story that I've told in one-on-one conversations, but I haven't shared from the stage. I'm gonna tell you the story of how I met my wife, Carolina. Love the passion. And um, so it's, this is the story. I, you know, I'm not gonna make it more than it is, but this is the story. So, uh, you know, I was praying for myself for a woman. That's where it starts, right? And uh, there was one night I was at my house and my brother was there with me and I was uh, doing some work. It was late at night, I was doing some work and I happened to have Instagram open. And I was supposed to go to a church prayer meeting at another church that we're friends with. It's a great church on the north side. And um, so I went on their church page kind of to see what it was. I was gonna be going there soon. And as I'm scrolling you know, through their Instagram page, there was one particular image that caught my attention. And there was these uh, two women who were walking out of the church and they're kind of waving at the, at the camera, the photographer like this. And I saw the photo and I thought, wow. Lord, you took your time with her. And uh, so I, I clicked, uh, you know, so I did what any, you know, good stalker online would do. And I looked through the comments and every once in a while, somebody will like post, hey, you know, that's my friend in the picture. And so somebody did post and they said, hey, that's, you know, Carolina. And they tagged her profile. So I clicked on the profile and lucky for me, it wasn't private. And I was able to scroll through her profile. She only had about 12 photos, which I thought was good. And I was kind of trying to figure out, like, who is this person? And how many of us know social media can say a lot about who you are, right? For the good and for the bad. And so, especially as a pastor, I was like, I don't know who this girl is and this. And so I kind of scrolled through her, fo- her, her photos and kind of read some captions. And then my brother wanted to watch a movie, so I closed my computer and went over and watched a movie. After the movie was over, I came back to my computer, I turned, Instagram was still on, and I saw that I had a little red notification um, sign at the top. Some of you know where this is going. And I clicked on my friend request, and I saw that uh, it said that I had a friend request, and I recognized the picture, and it was Carolina's profile. My first thought was, Praise God, he made a way. My second thought, honestly, was like, man, Google's algorithms are getting really good. Like, this is the new eHarmony going on here. I was like, all right, like, okay, Google, I see you. And then it dawned on me. I told my brother, I said, Grant, I got this friend request from this girl. I was looking at her profile. And almost as the words slipped out of my mouth, it dawned on me. Me, who never goes on social media and literally has like 10 photos liked, and I go into my settings, I said, no, it can't, it can't be, no, I don't. And I go into my settings, I go into my liked photos, and I have committed, some of you guys know, the worst Instagram sin you can create, you can do. I liked somebody's profile without following them. For those in the room that don't know what that is, that is a certified creeper move. You are certified stalker. You get a little verified symbol. You you lost it. And I told my brother, and he was like, you did what? Oh my goodness, the shame on the whole family, and we can't come back. And 
And he's just like, and I'm like, I feel, I'm like, I'm just, the blood is in my face. My heart's beating. I'm like, what do I do? Can I just, I, I can't reject it. And I don't know, should I just accept it? And what do I just, I don't know. And he's like, oh, it's bad when you're getting advice from your younger brother. He's like, you just got to accept it. The damage is done. You got to do what you do. It's too weird now to do, all, you know, to try to go back. And so I'm like, okay, thankfully, after a couple messages back and forth, we got our first date. We did our first date in Oaklawn. We did bowling. Bowling's a horrible first date. Don't ever do bowling for you singles out there because you can't talk. You're like, you know, one of you is bowling. You're like, what'd you say? And then you're like crossing each other. It doesn't work. And then I did one better and we went to Andy's ice cream right over there on Cicero. Uh, she tells me later that she's lactose intolerant. I was really rolling on the first date. But as she went home, and obviously she told me this way later, she went home with a big smile on her face, and we had hung out for like four hours on the first. It was so long, late, in the, late into the you know, night at Andy's there, and, and she told her dad when she walked in, she said, I, uh, I met the guy that I'm going to marry. So she knew, and uh, now we've been married seven months, seven months. And man, does Lord, the Lord use marriage for sanctification. He works in your life in miraculous ways through marriage, helping you love somebody else. But my wife is an amazing woman, amazing. And she's been an amazing friend to me. All what one friend request can do to change somebody's life, right? One moment, one decision. And sometimes you meet somebody in your life where it's like that. Maybe it's not somebody you ended up marrying, but maybe it's a friend that you had just known for so long or a cousin you're really close with and they are just such a deep friend. Maybe it's a parent who's just not only a parent, but a close friend. And if you've had a relationship or have a relationship like that, you know that all it takes is one good relationship, one deep friendship to alter and radically change your life for the better forever. And as great as a friend as my wife is and as close as we've become, I'll tell you what, and uh, before that, my dad and still have a close relationship with my dad, I have a best friend um, even beyond Carolina, a friend that I've never met face-to-face with before or more long-distance types of friends, but a friend who has radically changed my life. Let me tell you who that friend is. That friend is Jesus. You can give up. In scripture, specifically John chapter 15, Jesus calls us and calls his disciples his friends. And as we've been in this series called Not Alone, we've been talking about the importance of relationships how to avoid the pitfalls and the hijacking. Last week, we talked about uh, avoiding uh, hijacks or hijackings that come into your relationships. We talked in the first week about how God sees us right in the wilderness. He sees us right where we're at. And as we've talked about friendship and relationship and how the church, and we need people who are walking alongside Jesus, today I wanna bring us to how God is our friend. And how when you have a friendship with God, it really transforms your life and does four important things for your life. And so I'm going to dive right in. We're going to go quickly through this. 
And um, we're going to be in the book of John chapter 15, and we're going to start in verse 9, and this is Jesus speaking. Phones, uh, you could pull it up on your phone, uh, hardcore Bible people, you got the thick King James, and it's going to be on the screen. Here we go, verse 9. As the Father, this is Jesus, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. So Jesus is using a lot of interesting language here. And it's a little confusing because it's kind of like I've sped you halfway into a movie and we're picking up halfway through the movie. So let me give you a little bit of the context, just one kind of quick picture to help you understand the language that Jesus is using here. In the verses before this, in John chapter 15, verses one through eight, Jesus says, I am the true vine. And he's using a picture for people to understand his disciples. That's who he's speaking to. He's speaking to his 12 disciples and he's explaining to them how important and central he is to their life. And he says, I am the true vine. And he talks about how his disciples are the branches and how branches are always connected to a vine. And when branches are cut off from the vine, they die, they wither. And I can imagine that Jesus, while he's teaching his disciples this truth, as he often does, is standing in front of a vineyard, is standing in front of a vine, and is pointing to these things and saying, as you see this vine, that's me. And if you see these branches, that's you. And the branches need to be connected to the vine to experience life. If the branches are cut off or disconnected, they die, they wither. And you are like that. You need to be connected to me to grow and experience life. And the word that Jesus uses is you need to bear fruit, right? Bear fruit. So that's the context for this because it's important to understand when Jesus says, as the father has loved me, so I have loved you, now remain in my love, that that little sentence there, remain in my love, is pointing to the verses before where he's using that picture for us of a vine and branches, where he uses the language and says, remain in the vine, remain in me if you want to continue growing. Our walk as Christians is not as complicated as we make it often. Our walk as Christians is a lot more simple. And if you're a new Christian here and you just started following Jesus, uh, it can be overwhelming to open the Bible and feel like, whoa, I don't know where to start reading. It seems like there's a lot to do. There's a message every single week. Uh, this is like a lot. But the good encouragement today is Jesus is saying it's a lot more simple than that. If you can get today's message, you will have figured out what Jesus has called you to, to do with your life. And the simplicity of the message is this. Jesus is saying, he's the vine, remain in me. In other words, don't leave me, don't depart. Other words you could be used as continue, stay in place. Jesus is saying, as your friend, you need to stay close to me 
because when you're close to me, I'm able to give you life, and when you're close to me, you're able to bear fruit. He says, if you depart from me, it's like a branch that's cut off, and you're not able to grow or experience the life that you want to live. Are you tracking with me? And you say, okay, Jesus, I'm with you. I'm following you. So what does that mean practically? If I want to stay close to Jesus, if I want to continue growing in my faith, if I want to go to the next level, well, well how do I you know, stay close, stay connected? And Jesus makes it super simple for us. He says this. He said, if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. Or another way to say it is, if you, if you keep my commands, you will remain close with me, connected with me, remain in me. Jesus is saying this to us so simply, that our walk with Jesus, our faith has so much to do with the way that we live our life. And when we live in the way that God's called us to, to live, when we do the things the way that God's called us to do them, we stay close to Jesus and we grow the way that we're supposed to. We transform to be more like Jesus in the way that we love, in the way that we show mercy, in the way that we care for one another, in the way that we're kind. Anytime that we push away from Jesus or we separate ourselves from Jesus who we know, we stop growing. And he says this, and then he talks about something super practical to us. He talks about one of the areas that will shrivel up in your life, one of the areas that will start to disappear in your life, one of the things that's so valuable to us as Christians that if you step away from God and you start living your own way, you will start to lose this in your life. What is it? This thing that transforms your life, this thing that is an incredible amount of, it's an incredible strength that the Bible talks about. It helps you push through hard times. It gives you, it gives you what you want in life. What is this thing? He says it really clearly. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. Don't trade momentary pleasure for the treasure of joy. Don't trade it. It's a bad trade. And so often that's what drags us away, right? We're living our life with Jesus. We came to Jesus. We're in our word. We're praying. And then there's these temptations each, of, each and every one of us has a sin of choice in this room. Something that you're kind of drawn to in a negative, in a bad way. It's, it's not the way you want to live, right? But, but each of us have a, a sin of choice, a way that God's not calling us to live, but maybe is an old pattern that we used to live in. And what happens is we start, we say, you know, man, it's going good with Jesus, but man, I miss hanging out with the old friends and it's just one weekend. I mean, what's one weekend going to do? And so you go hang out with the old friends. You go to the old neighborhood. They're playing some of the old music. Start feeling yourself a little bit. (laughs) 
And you know what happens? Then it's like, come on, I haven't drank in a long time. I know how I get when I drink, but okay, let me, just one. And it's just gonna be one. And one turns into two and two turns into three. And then you're getting really wild and you're dancing. Oh, come on, girls. And you're just in it and you're living. And then you end up, you're saying, well, you know, you're, you're, so, you're so intoxicated at this point. Then then you start making other decisions you don't wanna make, right? And you're a Christian, you went to church last week, you're following Jesus, but you wake up the next morning, Saturday morning, after a long Friday night, and you're in somebody else's bed, and you're laying there thinking, what did I do? What was that decision I made? It's not, that's old me, and I went to the old friends, and I went in the back environment, and I'm, 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 you're laying, feeling bad, and you're feeling guilty, you're feeling, you know what you're feeling? You're feeling conviction. And I'll tell you what, I'll tell you, right there in that moment, and for a period after it, you will not feel the joy that you want to. Because as a Christian of God, as a Christian follower of God, we're called to live in a certain way and we get life from living in that way. Anytime we go back to the old way of living, I'll tell you what, you will be miserable. You know why? Because the old way is the same, but the new you is different. And so when you're there, there's like, I, I know it's a moment of pleasure and it's gonna feel good and I wanna do it and I, I've been feeling low. And so you trade a moment of pleasure for the thing that you really want, that treasure of joy. That thing that is there with you always in constant, that feeling of like, this is what life's supposed to be. We often describe it as happiness. And Jesus is saying, when we walk away like that, there will be an absence of joy in your life or there will be a limited amount of joy in your life. I don't know about you, but I don't wanna be miserable. I don't wanna be depressed. Sadness, there's times, you know, we have to be sad sometimes at a funeral, there's moments, the Bible says there's a time to grieve, but I don't wanna be someone especially as a Christian, I've been in cycles like this where you're going back to old things and I'll tell you what, for a Christian, it's the most miserable place you can be at. It's the most miserable because God has made you new. He's given you his Holy Spirit and every time we go back to that old place, we leave where Jesus is at. We don't remain, we don't stay, but we go back. We lose the thing that brings us life. We lose our joy. And for us to have joy in God, Joy in God, hear me out. Joy in God comes from being joined to God. Let me say that again. Joy in God comes from being joined to God. If you feel like your joy right now is at an all-time low, or you feel like it's not where you want it to be, I, and you're a Christian, I can almost guarantee you it's connected to something in your life where you are not living the way that God has called you to be, so you're not staying here close to him, living out obedience, you're starting to kind of drift away. And any time that we drift away, we lose our joy. So to have and keep our joy we need to be joined to the vine. We need to be connected and close with Jesus. And when we're walking out of his power and his strength and we're being obedient, we're living out of the life that he's called and the fruit, joy is a fruit of the spirit. The fruit of joy becomes evident in your life and you are able to live the life that God's called you and you are brimming and not just limited, but full of the joy that God has. The joy that, like he says, only comes from Jesus. 
Amen. Let's continue on. Friendship with God, number two, changes. This is so important. Friendship with God changes our relationship with others. Jesus says in verse 12, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love no one has than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. Jesus tells us, listen, guys, stay close to me. I'm telling you this. He, said, he literally says in the passage, I'm telling you this so you can have joy because there's so many people that are apart from me that are not living with joy. I'm telling you this, so stay close to me so you can have the fruit of joy in your life because it comes from me. And then he says, we stay there by following the commands and there's a connected thought here. Say, well, okay, I'm ready, Jesus. Give me your list. I'm ready to write down all, my, all the commands. Go ahead. Give me, and Jesus really simplifies it for him. He really simplifies it for all of us. He says, love each other. My command, love each other. It's too simple, Jesus, no, 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 it's pretty complicated. It's pretty hard, it's simple, but it's hard, right? He says, you wanna know what you're supposed to do? Love each other. And you're like, okay, love each other. Well, how, Jesus? And here's where we get messed up because we're, we're so wired to treat people in the way that they treat us. We're just wired that way. From a young age, it seems like we're, we're taught to treat people the way that they treat us. If they cut us with words, we cut them with words. If they treat our family bad, we treat their family bad. They gossip about me, I gossip about them. And we treat people the way that they treat us. And Jesus says, mm -mm. not only do we, do we treat people the way they treat us, we also love people the way they love us. You loved me this much, so I'm gonna love you that much. You loved me this much, so I'm gonna love you this much. And we kind of base our love for somebody else based on the way that they've loved us, right? Love is kindness, patience, right? When we're like, how did you treat me and the way that you love me? We even say it in our language sometimes. Well, they don't deserve that. They don't deserve for me to treat, you know how they treated me? They don't deserve, and we're like, hey, they shouldn't get that because I'm not gonna give them my good stuff. I'm not gonna give them my love. I'm not gonna give them my kindness because they have treated me horribly. And Jesus says, that's the old way you lived. That's how you used to live. The way you live now, he says, is you are to love each other as I have loved you. He's saying, don't love each other the way that your parents loved you. And some of you in this room had parents who were incredible parents and they loved you and they supported you and they were there for you and they spoke words of life. 
And some of you have parents that, because of how you were raised, your relationship is so fragmented. You said, I am never going to treat my kids and raise my kids the way that I was raised. That was a horrible example. And I don't ever want to live that example in my house. I'm going to give my kids better. Some of you have grown up experiencing love in only a certain way where love is transactional. Kind of, you love me, I'll love you, or there's kind of like, I just need to give, and that's what I do. It's always just give, give. And we live, we kind of understand this warped sense of love. And Jesus is saying, don't love the way your parents, don't love each other the way your parents loved you. Don't love each other the way you were loved by your friends. Don't love each other the way that your spouse loves you. Don't love each other as your neighbor loves you. Love each other as I have loved you. And Jesus has loved us in a perfect way, always there. A love that is unchanging, a love that is selfless. And Jesus is saying, the way that I selflessly loved you, love others. The way that I have uh, loved you with an unchanging love, no matter where you've been, love others. The way that I have loved you, even when you didn't deserve it, love others that way. The Bible says, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, right? He didn't say once we started living our life right, when we were still down here, God said, I'm going to give them love up here. And so we are called as Christians not to love out of a human love, but to love out of a heavenly love. Your love from humans that people have given you, friends and family and neighbors, may be so low. The example may be so bad, but we're not called to give love out of that empty bucket. We're called to give love out of the pool of love, which is the love that God gave for us, that he came, died on a cross for us while we were still sinners and still enemies, while we didn't deserve it in a selfless way. Jesus died for us, for he so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And the greatest example of love, Jesus tells you, he says, you want to know the greatest example? You want to know the way I loved you? He says right to his disciples, he says, greater love. He's saying, this is the highest climax, the pinnacle of love. You want to know what the ultimate act of love is? He says, this is what it is, to lay down one's life for one's friends. And in a short amount of time, these disciples that were hearing these words would live these words. Jesus is looking at his disciples and saying, the greatest love that could ever be shown to you is somebody saying, I will sacrifice the entirety of my life so that you can live. Jesus loved in a sacrificial way, giving something that cost him everything, and he did it for us. He, it cost him, he suffered and was beaten and on the cross experienced the wrath of God. He experienced all of that for our, on our behalf, people that were enemies. That's what the Bible says, enemies of God. And he yet said, before they even love me, I will do the ultimate act of love for them. That is sacrificial love that cost. And that is the love that Jesus has called us to.
You are friends if you do what I command. That's talking about the way that we're supposed to live out the commandments that God has called us to live. Okay, number three, we're gonna keep moving along. Friendship, write this down. Friendship with God. Friendship with God leads us to deeper understanding. He says, you are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants. Because a servant, he gives us the reason. He's like, I, I'm calling you a friend now, not a servant. You say, why, Jesus? Because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything I learned from my father, I have made known to you. Jesus was breaking the cultural code of the day. The rabbis or teachers of Jesus' day, they had disciples, they had students, but they didn't have friendship relationship with their students. And Jesus is looking at his disciples saying, I know I'm your master, but I don't wanna just have that relationship with you. I know that's how everybody else functions, but the relationship I wanna have with you is not just master to servant only, I want to have one where you are my friend. And he says, the reason I want to have that type of relationship with you is because servants are out here. Friends are in here. You and I both have friends in our life. And we know this, right? People we've known, they say, if you've been friends with somebody for over seven years, they'll be a lifelong friend. And there's certain people you just connect with and you're able to go deep with. You know, you trust them. You've been able to be vulnerable and open with them. You know, you can share those deep personal things. You ever have somebody try to, you're having a private conversation, somebody else tries to butt into the conversation. You're like, excuse me, get over there. I don't know you. Some people like you're, you're in a conversation like, oh yeah, I remember that one time. Like, who, who, were you listening to us? This was like a private, this is like a private conversation over here. And we feel that way. We're super guarded with who we are. And we're, we're, we don't want to be vulnerable with anybody because it's personal details of our life. We have inner circles, right? We have people that we, that we trust them. And when you're in our inner circle, we share more openly with you than we do with anybody else. Jesus is saying, listen, you're in my inner circle. He's telling his disciples, you're in my inner circle. And there's nothing that I've learned from the Father that I've kept back from you. There's nothing that I've held back from you. I want you to know my inner workings. I want you to know my business. I want you to be about my business. I want you to know the inner workings of what I do. Listen to other verses in this. John 14, 26, a chapter before, Jesus says, but the helper, who's the helper? The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he'll do what? He will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all that I have said to you. The Holy Spirit is here inside of you as a Christian to teach you and help you become more like Jesus. Jesus says it himself. Do you know that it was better that Jesus went back to heaven than Jesus stayed with us here? You ever think about that? Like it would just be so cool if Jesus would just come up on Sunday and just be like, hey guys, Got a special word for my word. Here it is. I remember when I said this 2,000 years ago, it was amazing. We were in the Garden of Gethsemane and 
No, 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 no. Jesus, listen to Jesus' own words. Jesus is saying, it's better that I'm in heaven because I need to send someone. Listen, I tell you the truth. It is to our advantage, your advantage, that I go away. This is Jesus speaking. For if I do not go away, the helper, who's the helper? The Holy Spirit will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Verse 13, we jump ahead. When the spirit of truth, that's the Holy Spirit, comes, he will guide you into all truth. See, Jesus knew that here on earth in his physical body, he had limitations. He couldn't be everywhere at the same time. So he said, you know what I'm going to do? I want to go to heaven, but who I'm going to send can be with you at all times. My Holy Spirit will live inside your bodies, will be with you every second of every day because you are a follower of me and my Holy Spirit will do what I can do. The Holy Spirit will teach you the deeper things. The Holy Spirit will bring you into that inner circle. The Holy Spirit will illuminate the scriptures and help you understand. Let's let Paul say it. First Corinthians 2, the person without the Spirit. What Spirit? Capital S, the Holy Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness. How many times do you have a conversation with someone and you're talking about you living out your faith and they just don't get it? No, and I, you know, that's why I go out in the food pantry and they're like, they're like, how many hours are you out there? Yeah, you know, we're out the food pantry. And it was, we were out there in the 20 degrees and we're all there. And on a Saturday, you don't have, you're like, well, God calls me to serve. That's why. Well, no, I give. The reason I give is because God has called me. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. He's called me to work so that I can give because he's a giver. And so I want to be a giver. And I'm just trying to be like my father. So you give away how much of your money? Well, I just forgive because God forgave me so much. And, and so I know that person really hurt me, but I'm going to forgive them because God, and they're like, you're, you're going to forget. Scripture saying for people that don't have the spirit of God within them, they look at the way that you live and the way that I live and they don't get it. They look at it like foolishness. They, they look, that's why they don't get it. They're, they're looking at you like, this is so dumb. They could be doing, this is so stupid, but they don't get it because they don't have the spirit of God because it says, and cannot understand because they are only discerned through the spirit. It skips ahead and says, we have the mind of Christ. When you have the mind of Christ, it means you can understand the plan and purpose and perspective of Jesus. He helps you. The Holy Spirit helps you understand, accept, welcome, apply, and discern the spiritual things. If this is going over your head, it's not me. It's probably because you may be missing something. Because when you're understanding the scripture, part of the Holy Spirit's job is that you would understand the deeper things, the spiritual things that are from God because God is spirit. And we need the Holy Spirit to understand the deeper truth of God. As a friend of God, one of the privileges you have is that you have the Holy Spirit inside of you as a tutor to you, helping you understand the deeper things of God. Not only understand it, but live it because it's not foolishness to us. It's truth, and it's changed our life. And last but not least, 
you're taking notes, write this down. Don't miss this. And so strong. He says, friendship. Write this down. Friendship with God comes with a purpose. Friendship with God comes with a purpose. Verse 16. Jesus said, we say this all the time, right? I, I, just, I just woke up one day and I chose God. And I know what we say. I know what we mean. I know the context of that. But listen to what Jesus has to say to that. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you. Hold on. Don't, don't miss this. Don't miss And appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. What type of fruit? Fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, Jesus' name, the Father will give to you. And he repeats the command all over again, just in case you missed it. He says, this is my command, love each other. You were chosen for a purpose. It is not random that you were chosen. You did not choose God. God chose you. God called you. You responded to the call. But you didn't choose God. Listen to what scripture says. Ephesians 1, 4. Because this is, it sounds a little silly sometimes. And I get what we say, but it sounds a little silly. For he, God, chose us in him before the creation of the world. Before the earth was created, Jesus had chosen you. Before your parents and your grandparents or any human existed on the face of the earth, God had already chosen you. He had already chosen me. So for me to say, yeah, God, I, I don't know, I just woke up one day and I chose you. I was like, you're the way. No, 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 I know what you mean, but no, no, no. God chose you thousands of years ago and made you his. He, he called you, said, I want that one right there. I want that one. I want that one over there. He's like, I am choosing. Uh, I am choosing and have chosen. Listen to John 59. This is a couple verses later. Uh, this is 19. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. I have chosen you out of the world. You are called for a purpose. And he tells us, I love when the scriptures just super, just speaks plainly to us. He doesn't make it complicated and say, try to figure out why you're chosen. He tells us why we're chosen. I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. Go back to the picture of the vine. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branch. And Jesus is saying, you need to bear fruit. And the reason I chose you before the foundation of the world was because I wanted you to bear fruit. What type of fruit? Galatians 5 says, but the fruit of the spirit is love, 
Jesus is saying, the reason I chose you is so that you could have greater love in your life, greater joy in your life, greater peace in your life. You could have patience in your life and you could have kindness in your life and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. Jesus is saying, I chose you not to just receive my grace, but out of my grace that you would bear fruit so that you could come out of the darkness that I chose you and be a light for me, bearing fruit and letting the entire world know that you are transformed because you are connected to the true vine, which is Jesus. And when you're connected with the true vine, all, all you have to do is stay close and connected to Jesus. It's as simple as that. And when you're close and you're connected to Jesus, you start just bearing fruit. Your life starts to transform and change. Who do you look more like? Jesus. Day after day after day, you should look more like Jesus. And the amazing thing is this. When we do that, it brings the Father glory. My final verse, John chapter 8, says, This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. The world will know that you are a follower of Jesus, not by the Bible that you have or the fish on the back of your car or the religion that you claim on Facebook. The world will know that you are a disciple of Jesus by the fruit of your life. And I hear all this. And I think about how dependent we are upon God. I was laying in my bed last night. I, I typically can't sleep well on Sunday nights and I'm preaching the sermon in my head a bunch of times and tossing and turning. And I was thinking about this and I was thinking about how my dad you know, from a young age, was super intentional to choose to bring me along on certain trips. I remember being in high school, my dad brought me along and we flew on one of his speaking trips. Nobody wanted to book a 16-year-old. And we went to Quito, Ecuador, and he invited me on this trip and I got to speak to hundreds of youth and went multiple times and he, he brought me into certain conversations that I shouldn't have been in that were private, you know, just, you know, exclusive access to things. He just let me in to his world. He invited me, chose me a point, like, I, just, I want you with me. I'm like, me? I, he just, he was doing, and he had a reason behind it. He had a purpose. He, he wanted me to con continue to grow, to be the follower of Jesus that he, he knew I could be. He saw potentially saw a purpose is I want my son to bear fruit. I don't want my son to just grow up in church and not look like Jesus. I want my son to bear fruit. And so he was able to choose and appoint, bring me on these trips and bring me in these experiences and just coach me and develop me to be more like Jesus, to grow in my leadership. And he had a purpose. It wasn't random. It wasn't, I just, you know, no, he had a purpose. He had a purpose. There was a purpose, not only to our father-son relationship, but our friendship. There was a purpose of developing and growing and simply being around my dad 
help develop me and change me to be more like him. And we see throughout scripture, Paul's like, follow my example because I'm following Jesus' example. And when you're around someone that's a follower of Jesus, a serious, authentic follower of Jesus, and you're around them, you start to take on their patterns and the way that they live. And Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And I was struck by that about just the simplicity. This is so deep. The truth is so profound. We could study it week after week and still not get all of the truth that Jesus is saying in these words. And yet he's made it so simple for us. Hear me. If you're overwhelmed right now, Jesus said, my yoke, my yoke is light. He's saying walking with me isn't heavy. It's not a whole list, it's, it, it's simple, it's simple. Faith and walking with Jesus is about being close to Jesus. Stay connected to the vine. And when you're close to Jesus, when you're spending time with Jesus, when you can't stand to be apart from Jesus, when you have a close friendship with Jesus and you're just spending time saying, I don't want that and I don't want that. I just, I want this. You start to have fruit in your life and he transforms you just from being connected and close to him. It's that simple. And I'd like to ask you to rise with me as we close the sermon. want to be a Christian that after 10 years or 15 years or five years of walking with Jesus, I look the same as I did on the second day. I don't want to be a Christian that looks like the rest of the world and people say, oh yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, you're a Christian, we're all this and we're all that. I want to be the type of Christian where people see a difference in the way that I live. Not perfect. I want to drop the ball. I'm going to fail. We, every single person in this room will fail. We'll drop the ball. We'll do something we don't want to do like Paul. The things I don't want to do, I end up doing them and just read it in Romans. But we oftentimes complicate our faith. And what my fear is, is that a lot of times we don't have the fruit in our life because we're not walking closely with Jesus. We try to make it more complicated. We make it this like, I just to come back, it's so complicated. I got to jump 50 hoops. And Jesus is saying, it's really simple. When you're connected with me, you bear fruit. When you're not, you don't. And I'm not gonna ask you to look at all the different fruit in your life and all the different ways you're living, but I am gonna ask you to look at one thing in your life. If you're a Christian, don't, just, don't look at everything, just, just one thing. And you do not have the joy that you want in this season. Can I tell you? What scripture says is, that it's connected to a lifestyle. And when we're living in a certain way, we do not experience, when we're living apart from the vine, apart from Jesus, we will not experience the fruit of joy in our life like we should. We just won't. 
And so it's an indicator to me that I would say, God, where's my joy at? Do I feel like it's full? Am I excited and full of life right now? Or do I feel like it's limited? Both of those, or do I feel like it's absent? Whether it's limited or it's absent, both of those are indicators that you are not living fully in the way that God's called you to live. Your joy is a warning flag that God has given you to show you, are you living the way I've called you? Or are you distant from me? And it's as simple as this, that when you hear God's word and he calls you back, it's as simple as this, you have a choice. Leave some of those old things behind and come close to him or stay away from him, continue living this way, but not have the joy, the love, the patience, the kindness, and the other things that are there, it's momentary pleasure is all that's there. And it's just a decision. And so we're gonna sing a song right here, but I'm gonna do this. If you feel the Lord speaking to you in a room like this, nothing fancy or special about this room, but God's presence is here. If you feel God calling you this morning, if you feel him speaking to you and saying, listen, what he's saying is what I'm saying and I'm pointing at something in your life right now and you need to come and say, I'm gonna leave that behind because I want you, Jesus, more than that. I won't be miserable anymore. Then I'm gonna ask you to step out of your seat, just ask your neighbor, say, excuse me, I'm gonna be stepping out. I want you to come forward, either side of the altar and you can kneel down. Just kneel down, it's just a conversation with God and say, God, I'm coming close again. I'm willing to leave those old things behind. I'm miserable right now. I don't want to keep living this way anymore. I need you. And it's the simplicity of when somebody says, I need you, Jesus, and I'm willing to leave that behind, that you start experiencing the life that you've been called. And so as we worship, if God is pressing at your heart, just respond right now. Take, take a moment, come forward and just say, God, I'm distant. What, what's in my life that's, that's robbing me of my joy? And I'm anxious. What's robbing me of my peace? What's robbing me of my self-control? What's robbing me of my love for those around me? What is it? And, and I want to leave it behind so I can come close to you. I need you. Without you, I can do nothing. And if that's what God's saying to you, would you come forward? And we're going to sing. Let's sing.